the you know the the title of the book saying sex begins in the kitchen is helping uh the author i think it is a man he's telling men sex doesn't begin when you get hard okay so we are back we're actually officially back and it's the after party and we are going to be talking about the episode of unsubscribing from toxic relationship advice and I, I wanted to call this the church version <laughs> um, because we have another episode which is the toxic relationship advice and you know it wasn't necessarily for the saints a little saint sprinkled in and then some for the ain't no shade you believe what you believe all right so it was two things I really wanted to hit. I wanted to hit the hot topic with Kevin Samuels, but not necessarily about him. But the thing that I I thought was interesting uh, when we were talking about the different perspectives, like why were men so pro what Kevin Samuels was saying and not all men. And then why were so many women like, it's a no for me, dog. Um, what are y'all thoughts on that? And then were y'all even surprised when um, Sierra was saying that like, she didn't agree on his tone, but she got like why he was saying what he was saying. Anybody can go first. I'll go, cause <laughs> um, I think men enjoyed listening to him because it fed their egos. It fed their thoughts on what they already preconceived about women, especially black women. And it, it made it legitimate to them. It justified them in their actions. And so I don't think he gave, Samuels anyway, gave good perspective in relationships and who women are. I think he is bitter. I think he probably hated his mom or someone that was in his family and he spoke from that place you know anyone can speak something in what do they say a, a broke clock is right two times a day so you know when you're throwing certain things out there to say black women this black women that you're not giving the whole perspective of the black woman and you're just legitimizing um the narrative that black men like to play with women And I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good though. I mean, I, I definitely like what you said about just reinforcing that narrative that is put out there. And, and I think that we are, and I can only say this because I'm a, a Black lady, but I think that it's like in media, there's this narrative like that Black women are like this. And it just, even when you said that, it made me think about like, well, yeah, I guess all, like, I guess all races have, like, uh, I guess a, a stereotype, but I just, and maybe I'm hyper aware of it because I'm a Black lady, so it's just always interesting when it's, like, this is what y'all are like, and yeah, uh, yeah, it, it just was interesting, and uh, the follow-up question, because Brandy said, Amanda summed it up perfectly, so the follow-up question was, well, why do we hear differently? Because if we're seeking relationship advice, right? And we're seeking it because we 
you know, air quote, want to be in relationship with one another and be better, why are we hearing something different? Like, are we hearing things as men and women to be validated in our feelings or because we actually want to be better in these relationships? Anybody can answer. Absolutely to validate feelings. I, you look at you know, these relationships that we used to see on TV, you know, most of us grew up in the 90s, early 2000s, and it was always, you know, the woman having to solve the problem at the end of the day, or the woman having to be the comforter, or, you know, the man just as long as he provided, she had to take care of, you know, the home, the children, the emotional welfare of the children, and then also still be available to stroke a man's ego. And so I think because we've seen it perpetuated in shows so much that that has just become the narrative, you know, that, oh, the woman, the woman has to be the comforter. A man has to be the provider. Um, it dates back to Bible times where, you know, the men went out and hunted and the women stayed and tended to the children and cooked. And, and so I think it's just a narrative that's been played out for so long that it has become everyone's reality. That's good. So when that part was happening, uh, and I quote from Brandy, uh, she said, I'm tired of men pushing themselves as relationship experts. Brandy, what did you mean by that? And then why do you think that men relationship as experts are like kind of, they're given more, vo more of a voice? Because when you type that, I was like, wait, what women are relationship experts? Like I could not think off the top of my head, not one lady that is considered a relationship expert. Go ahead, Brandy. Yeah. So I feel that, that in the last 15, 20 years, we've seen it happen more. Nineties, um, not so much, but 2000s and the 2010s, uh, whatever we call that decade, I feel that we've given a rise to it. Social media definitely has, has um, helped that. I think because, especially within our community, because it is present in the broader uh, community as well, because there are a few white guys out there that do the relationship expert thing, but it doesn't come across as, the ones that I'm aware of don't come across as, topic, as uh, toxic as some of the black ones. I think part of it is and I think we might have uh, mentioned it in the previous season in one of our conversations, but I think a part of it is because in the Black community, the Black male ego, um, because of all of the things that has happened to Black males and how they're treated by society, when they have something to say, we, we hype them up. We give them the platform. We encourage them, even if it's not something we want to hear sometimes. Uh, we're in there supporting them in a certain way. So I think it's easy in our community if you have a strong voice, if you communicate well, even if it's foolishness, but if you communicate well to um, create a platform for yourself as a Black male. Um, second, because I think there are a lot of Black women who have not had uh, strong males speaking in their lives, whether it was positive or negative, they haven't had that voice um, filled. So because they haven't had it in a church setting, because they haven't had it in their family setting, because it, 
then Steve Harvey gets the platform. <laughs> and I'm not coming for Steve Harvey, but I just know that was one of the ones that became a relationship expert early on. It was like, how did this happen? Steve? King's comedy? Okay. Um, but it's it's this desire to to have a male or man speak into your life. And I think also too, it's the lack of having um, a solid co connection with the Lord. I honestly feel that if you have the Lord speaking into your life, then you wouldn't be running around looking for these dudes to speak into who you are and who you're supposed to be in the same way. Um, so yeah, I just, I, if you are talking truth and wisdom, I'm all for it. I am all for it. Cause um, what's the guy's name? He doesn't do relationship stuff as much anymore, but uh, Paul Carrick Brunson, I think was a, relationship expert expert for a while and when I read one of his books I think it's called um it's complicated I think yeah it was quality stuff it was not toxic and it was more about working on yourself as a male or female and it wasn't come up, coming at a certain particular group and demonizing one group over the other so if it's healthy I'm all for it but when it's not and you can tell that they are just feeding into certain tropes because that's easy because it's, you know, it doesn't require much from them and they don't have to be qualified to do that except for to have their own hurt and, or to see your hurt and um, capitalize off of it. I'm tired of it. I, I, they don't need my, they don't need my vote. They don't need me buying their books, watching their movies or sharing their videos. That's all. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he, yeah, he did. He, uh, he was pretty solid. But I think too, he, because um, he'll still do it like on his stories, but he, he moved from the United States of America. He said he had enough of us. Um, he packed his family up and was like, we, we going out of the country. Um, yeah, but I think that's a good part point. I think that the whole thing is, I don't like that it has to be if I give advice I have to demonize the other the other side or belittle the other side because it's just like why if we if our intentions really are to be better in a relationship it doesn't need to be at the expense of putting the other party down I think that's super whack um and I just I don't know, like the more I think about it and not because I want us to do better. Like I want us to do better if you are a believer. I, I just want there to be equality in, okay, both of us, both parties, men and women need help in this area. And this is what we're gonna do. And then it's always made me so curious to, as to why, why does the man come and tell the lady to how to be a wife? It's weird to me. Like, are you a woman? Like, how do you, how does that work? How, how does that, yeah, it's weird. Okay, so uh, I wanted to tap into the part about uh, why don't we talk about sex in a healthy manner? Now, you know, the comments was a little bit spicy over here when we was watching it. And I said, wow, I had not thought about a lot of these things that was going on. But the thing that threw me off was, and this just is a testament to why we need to be educated. When Tim was talking about that they were over there getting it in and the belly button. I don't even know how that works. Like so, clearly they didn't know how it worked either. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> no. I mean, there's 
I yeah, that I didn't get it, and I'm not gonna get it. Um, but why don't y'all believe that the church talks about sex in a healthy way? Like, why why is the body of Christ holding sex hostage? And I ain't talking about you out here in these streets busting it wide open for everybody, but like like they were saying, we were taught to like, okay, and I feel like it's still one-sided. Don't do it, don't do it. It's a sin, right? Outside of marriage. But then how are you supposed to be up here being an acrobat on on the on the <laughs> on the wedding night? Why don't we talk about it and why are we so weird about something that is given to us for pleasure? Anybody can roll with it. Can I say something? <laughs> yes. I ooh, um I feel like first of all, the church doesn't go into it one because there is a lot of sexual sin taking place in church, mainly with the ones that would be teaching it. So it's hard to go into something that you are not basically practicing what you preach. Um, we have we have a responsibility um, as people in church to really bring up the next generation to help them. And where are they getting information about sex from? Their peers. And so they're gonna tell them, hey, you should go watch a porno to learn what to do. So now you've opened up another gate into sexual sin. Oh, and this is a thing I found out, have a sex partner, not someone you particularly care about, y'all cool and everything, but y'all can get down with each other to learn stuff. And I'm like, what? You know, I got a daughter, so I'm learning all this kind of stuff that is taking place out here in these streets. And so people, I think if we would take responsibility early on, understand you don't want to stand in a pool pit and be like, this is the mechanics of things. I did kind of like her idea of there were classes that people can attend particularly for that. And I think it's needed for young teens. I'm seeing too many, you know, especially in my generation and now other generations, pregnant teenagers who are kids themselves and didn't understand, oh, so that was gonna happen. I thought if, you know, even with getting diseases and things, oh, I thought if it was just oral, then I was gonna be okay. These are the ideas that they're, they're learning and it just goes generation after generation and, and no one's helping anyone. So I feel, you know, that break off class that she was talking about is a really good idea. But again, I feel like pastors don't do it because <laughs> I feel like pastors don't do it because like I said, it holds them to a certain amount of accountability that they're not willing to take. That's really good. That's really, really good. I cannot with y'all in these uh, chat. Go ahead, Brady. I see your mic. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that, Amanda. Uh, I think, and I, for lack of a better phrase, there are a lot of people in church that are having good sex and not saying anything. And then you've got a lot of folks in church that are having bad sex and are saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and telling people foolishness that they don't need to tell them. Um, we, when I grew up, the, the, the church that I was a part of, we had a marriage ministry. We had a singles ministry as well. Single parent ministry is what they had a ministry for everybody. 
But um, I remember that some of the people that were in charge of that marriage ministry were very comfortable with having conversations about sex. And some of them were even charged to talk to some of our young people, which I'm so glad that that, um, that uh, you know, the vehicle for communication was opened up for us. I'm so glad. Uh, however, uh, <laughs> it was also at the height of purity culture. Now, I do understand how harmful purity culture was for a lot of people because that, that's been a huge co uh, conversation now. Um, purity culture in black churches was very different than purity culture in white churches. White churches, they were just seen, they were typically, um, and not saying white people, but, but predominantly white churches, people were typically seen as virgins, were seen as this wonderful thing, this white unicorn, everything's gonna be perfect, hunky-dory once you get married. Um, black church's purity culture was, we try to keep you off the pole. We don't want you to have these babies that you can't take care of because we know that the system doesn't care about you. So there was a social aspect to it as well. Uh, so I see the merits of it. I see what they were trying to do. But then at the same time, they swung the pendulum too far um, and did not give us the information that we needed. I was a curious child. So I did a lot of reading. I'm gonna be for real. I was like, so what's going on? <laughs> like what is going on with my body I literally sat down with two books because that's how I was and my mom was okay with it what's happening to my body book for girls and what's happening to my body book for boys I was like oh I'm gonna know what's going on with one of you, with both of us okay but the conversations in church the adults had just gotten saved themselves so you know they didn't live their younger years as people who were um, trying to live right, most of them, were not trying to live this godly lifestyle sexually. They got married, they got saved. And so a lot of times they just knew, okay, well, the Bible just says don't do it. But they didn't understand the practical mechanics of saying, well, this is how you conduct yourself as a single person, or this is how you conduct yourself in your marriage. Th they came in with the old mindset. So I don't think that um, there was ever a standard that they could tap into outside of a few outliers that had healthy relationships where they had, you know, developed something beautiful, you know, amongst their own marriage and then could share it as seasoned saints. But a lot of times those weren't the people that had the microphone. It was usually the folks that, uh, like Amanda was saying, that probably already had some, you know, foolishness going on and uh, were not in the best position to speak wisdom about sex but i think you know just like the in the conversation um that we listen to the tides are turning you know but i think that it needs to be balanced because now some people are just swinging the opposite direction with like everything is permissible everything is this everything no y'all need to chill there's still some parameters that we need to operate within but um i think we are going in a good direction okay so you said something in here when we were on there and I think this is really good because women don't talk about it or we talk about it on the low where you said women are taught or had the understanding to make their bodies available to their husbands no questions asked but husbands were taught marriage gives them access to sex anytime but didn't include actually pleasing the wife in the process which I think about that and why do you think it's taught differently is it because this is what's coming across like from a man's perspective Anybody can go. I was going to try to let the married folk talk first before I say something. Absolute facts. <laughs> um, 
you can look back at certain cultures from India to Africa where, you know, their sex organs were mutilated because they were not supposed to experience pleasure. And a lot of times we don't understand that wasn't just, oh, Africa, oh, China. No, this was being done in many other places where women weren't allowed to speak up. So this has been done and it's still being done. And so we were taught to be receivers and bring life. Like that is your purpose. With a man, he's always taught, oh, go sow seeds, go be fruitful, go do this. And I think people are disconnected from the fact that it takes two people. Um, so yes, he can go sow a seed, but he has to have a woman who is going to receive it. I think it is very taboo in our society that women need to experience pleasure. Um, and I think it's also the fact that men aren't working hard towards trying to please women. I'm, I'm just going to be real. You know, there are a lot of men who, as we're talking about sex culture here for women, they weren't taught what to do in the bedroom except be jackrabbits. I, I mean, let's just be real. Like, you know, they're getting that information from their friends. They're getting it from pornos. Like, this is what you do and then it's done. And not understanding there's so much more as far as intimacy than just the actual intercourse. You know, there's there's being close, there's being open, there's communicating. You know, if, if I'm not comfortable or if I don't feel that you have respected me in a communicable way, I'm not going to be open to that. You know, I'm, I'm not going to want to go there with you and to teach a woman that, oh, you're just supposed to always be open. Don't consider your feelings. I, I think that's why so many women don't come forward with abuse, you know, because we're always taught, keep your mouth shut, do what the man says. And, and we're not teaching our men how to be compassionate, um, how to also understand that if you're bringing this woman pleasure one, <laughs> she's going to feel good. And two, I'm going to be a little more receptive to what you got to say if I'm feeling good. <laughs> but we're not. So, yeah, there's a problem. There's a book, oh, I, I have something. I'll try to be brief. Um, there's a book that we used to sell when I worked in the Christian bookstore uh, every once in a while couples would come in and they would ask for resources which always cracked me up because I was a single as I don't know what I was like well I've read a few things and this particular book called was called sex begins in the kitchen and it Ooh. begins with a um chapter where the the wife is doing all the things she's prepping for this cooking trying to get the kids to a baseball game she's got a, like she is doing all the things and she leaves to go to a women's event and comes back, she had like three kids and a husband. So she comes back and the food that she had prepared was still sitting out. This is like four hours later. The food she prepared was still sitting out on the kitchen table. The kids had discarded, like they had moved on to whatever else. I think they had gone to some friend's house or whatever. And the husband was watching TV and had fallen asleep watching TV. So she cleans up. And then she goes to bed and it takes her a couple of hours to, to do everything. She goes to bed and then he comes rolling in an hour later. And this, I know this is real talk across ethnicities, which made me laugh when I read it. But he, he's coming in trying to, you know, get a little loving or whatnot. 
And she is frigid because she's like, heck to the no. Because the one time that you really could have um, done something to kind of help me as your partner in life, you left all this extra work for me to do. So the, 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 you know, the, the title of the book saying Sex Begins in the Kitchen is helping uh, the author, I think it is a man. He's telling men, sex doesn't begin when you get hard. Sex doesn't begin when the juices start flowing. Sex begins, the, the process for women, more often than not, I know we all have different libidos and sex drives, but more often than not, it begins before we even lay eyes on you. It's what you're doing, what you're saying, how you're communicating. And I think a lot of times um, the way that men behave in bed is how they also behave in their relationship. So the same way that they're just thinking about their own release. And I know it's not every man, but the same way that you go into your relationship, into sex, only thinking about what you can get from it is often how you think about that relationship. Because if you truly love that person and you come out of yourself and think about it, then it's not just about yourself in that moment. But so many men have been conditioned to think that this is what it's about. It's all about release. And if you have a background of looking at porn, then that's what you're gonna think. That's what's gonna develop, especially if that's your introduction to sex, because that's what it's about. Even if, it, if there is a woman that's involved, the purpose of most porn is to give a man his release. So when we have those exposures to you know, contorted versions and distorted versions of what the sexual experience should be like, then, the, then that's the default. That's the foolishness that, that we encounter. Well, then you just go ahead and gather everybody, Brandy. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> you can got everybody together. That's, but that's a really good book. That's, I mean, but it's a point. And like, even they were saying, I think Sierra was saying when we were listening, how men and we, women hear differently. But I, I agree, but I don't all the way agree with what she was saying, because it's like, women are taught to be intentional and compassionate and considering, and it's a muscle. It doesn't mean that we always want to yes, be, yes. but it's literally something that we practice. So I think it's, yeah, like you do have to think about beyond yourself. Um, and I just think that in all of this that we were talking about, it has to be on both sides. Like we're both yes. giving effort because listen, when Tim brought up the whole, like y'all are funny, you missed it. I'm sorry. No, it's a, no, you can go, it'll be in the, um, okay. inside the community, but. I'm on the, I'm on the edge of my seat right now. So I have to go back. <laughs> <laughs> when they were. They With were Brandy, because they listen. Brandy was getting. Listen, she's about to make me go find this book and send it to my friends that are married. Um, but he was saying how these people were out here having sex in their belly button because they didn't know they they didn't know what to do. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Exactly. Um. But that was that was it, Brandy. I felt like you closed everybody out. You know, when they listen to this, they gonna need to go get this book because ain't nobody trying to do all the things and then you get in this kitchen and 
I mean, in the bedroom, you like, let's get it popping. The lady tired. <laughs> well, and, and the, the other thing that came to me, Siobhan, and um, when you were saying that they were talking about the how women have been conditioned to be compassionate. When you're a believer, you have to keep in mind, like these gender roles that, yeah, that's wonderful. We've heard about them, you know, regardless of what ethnicity or cultural background you have, it may vary. But when you think about, if you are a believer and you say that you are made in the image of God, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, then we have to understand that everything that, that God is, we have the potential to tap into. So whether you're a man or a woman, you have the ability to tap into compassion. Whether you're a man or a woman, you have the ability to tap into strength. Whether you're a man or a woman, you have the ability to tap into a nurturing nature, even if that wasn't your default. And a lot of times we forget that we're made in the image of God and we only focus on the image of gender roles that society has put before us and we try to push ourselves in that, which is why I think we have a whole lot of different descriptions of non-binary binary, and all of this other stuff now, because a lot of people have been pushed to be something that they weren't supposed to be in the, to begin with. We were made in the image of God. Let's be like God instead of being the broken versions of what the world is trying to tell us to be. Mm, that was good. Yeah. Well, ladies, I've kept y'all long. Uh, this will be up tomorrow, so don't worry. And then the episode that we watch, it'll be actually in the app, so you can go and look look at it. Um, so don't worry, Fani, you'll be able to see it. Uh, okay. So thank y'all. That was good. Now I need to go find this book. What is it called again, Brandy? <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't start first in the kitchen. Is that what I think it's I think it's sex begins in the kitchen. I'll find it and um send you the link. Okay. <laughs> I dropped the link somewhere. <laughs> you can put it in the um put it in the in the app in the group. Okay. Okay. I'll do that. All right.